0: Welcome to Episode 12 of Earned Media Rising, the podcast powered by Cision and brought to you by PR Week. I'm Bernadette Casey, Executive Editor of PR Week, and I'll be your host for this episode focused on how public, re- public relation pros are changing the narrative to meet the demands of the current media landscape. Joining me today, I have Nadine General, Vice President, Agency Nonprofit Services for Dixon Swabble. Sandy Cross, Senior Director of Diversity and Inclusion for PGA of America. Thank you, Nadine and Sandy, for joining me today. Thank you, Bernadette.
1: It's great to be here.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: I think it's fair to say that you know the media landscape has changed more in the last 10 years than it's probably changed in the last 30 before that. Um, there are so many different platforms Uh, that we can communicate on. Uh, There's the disruptions in the industry, such as uh, the fake news phenomenon, you know, citizen journalists. Let's talk a little bit about that. Have you ever seen so much change? And is it just only going to increase? Nadine, let's start with you.
2: Um, It has changed tremendously. No, I don't think I've seen this much change. I mean, you can just say in the last year or two alone, um in the 15, nearly 20 years that I have been working in the industry, it's, it's pretty um, phenomenal. Pretty challenging as well, I would say.
1: I would echo that as well from a diversity and inclusion perspective. I see it accelerating, but I find it very exciting as well because the vast majority of outlets are really trying to be very intentional about broadening who they're reaching and not just serving their core, but really thinking about, okay, how is America changing, and are we touching America's new consumer effectively? So it's exciting. Absolutely. I mean, there's disruption isn't a bad thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a challenge, too.
0: It's a challenge for us to do better, to try, as you say, to reach farther. Um, It's better for connecting audiences and and brands. I mean, we've never had a better opportunity to connect with our audiences. Absolutely. Being a journalist myself, I know that I often read and often feel um, that we often don't have the resources that we used to. You know, journalists are stretched very thin these days. Um, How can PR pros play a more crucial role in terms of helping today's journalists?
2: Yeah, um, I would say uh, to your point of just being stretched so thin and wearing so many hats and um, really, just being inundated i mean they're from the the sources are just endless now of um areas that you're getting. Um, I guess, pitched and reached and, you know, targeted uh, between the social and digital front, uh, let alone traditional, whatever um, the platform is or outlet that you're working in. It's not just that one silo. I think it's critical for publicists to really serve as a partner to journalists today. Uh, You know, you had started this podcast off talking about or just mentioning fake news. um, And then I had just mentioned cutting through the clutter. So really being able to serve as Uh, a partner to help validate, to help source, to help offer up credible sources. And I'm looking at Sandy as I'm saying that. Um, We're spending the day here in New York on uh, desk sides, helping to just um, establish the rapport and the relationship. And I think that's how it starts, too, to, uh, again, kind of cut through the clutter. And I hate to keep keep using um, that reference or beating a dead horse on that. But, um, you know, journalists are busy. And so they're not only um, having to find their own uh, source their own stories, find their own sources, but um, really having to fact check you know, on their own. So to be able to have a publicist help come in and say, hey, I have a thought leader. Uh, this is the credibility that she serves, and she's a 20-plus-year veteran in her industry, and you know, could we at least just have a seat at the table to see if it's something that you would consider from this organization, uh,
1: news story, uh, some content, what have you. And that type of role, Bernadette, is critical to us at our organization at the PJ of America, we have a relatively small team, about 260 employees, great communications and PR team, but they're small. So to have an agency partner or partners, plural, including Dixon Schwabel, being out ahead of it for us, and sussing out the new opportunities, the new avenues, the new angles, what's credible, what's not, in doing that vetting process for us is critical. It's not something that we could do on our own. We just don't have the bandwidth, uh, financial resources, human resources, to be able to do that. So it's a critical role for us to be able to rely on public relations, agency partners, to, to lead that charge for us and keep us looking ahead and, and being on the leading edge. And to your
0: point, Sandy – Sometimes today it's all about being first without necessarily being right. And some of the words you use there, you know, vetting and credibility. I mean, that's more important than ever. Um, That's not always the priority of different sources out there. Um, And Nadine, you mentioned that you and Sandy were doing, you know, the face-to-face. And despite how much that has changed, though, bottom line is face-to-face
1: is still... I think you would agree. Absolutely, Kate. There's nothing like it. And from a diversity and inclusion perspective, it is critical for us to get it right. We can't afford a misstep. One misstep, and we've all seen as consumers what has happened across corporate America. One little misstep, and and you're done. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just unbelievably critical. And in the foundation of inclusion, as you all know, is that relationship building. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Bernadette, in person, there's nothing like it. I just, I wanted to echo that. I thought it
2: was um, fitting the theme of this podcast is changing the narrative. And that is what we're trying to do in our efforts and the particular story that we're trying to tell and why we're here um, in the city and trying to tap journalists um, is also changing the narrative um, about the efforts taking place within the golf industry where it's not only trying to. Um, cut through the clutter and reach a different um, target audience, but reach a, a whole different target audience from the media and that perspective.
1: To follow on that point, Bernadette, I think we're really trying at the PJ of America to evolve the workforce of golf. And as you may know, those that play the game of golf right now, it's, it's still pretty demographically homogenous and we have to evolve who works in the sport of golf and who delivers golf from a media perspective. If we don't evolve who works in golf and and the composition of the media that delivers the story, we will struggle to grow the sport in the way that we want to. And when I talk about the workforce in golf, that includes the media, the journalists, the PR professionals, social media, bloggers, all of these individuals that touch how we deliver golf's message, they have to evolve from a diversity standpoint. I just thought that was important to share.
0: Absolutely, I think, and that you're right, uh, Nadine, that does bring us to, you know, the question of how PR and comms pros are doing in terms of expanding their reach to the necessary different types of media. I mean, I think it is very important uh, to break down the silos Uh, in terms of audience. How do we feel? Do we feel PR pros are doing well at that? Are they sort of gaining ground doing that? Where in the life cycle are we? Are we getting good at it? Are we starting out?
2: It's not, you know, it used to be kind of this bandwagon or a sensitive topic, and now it needs to be ingrained and ingratiated in everything. It's, it's, you know, just as much as I can sit here and tout and say every organization or company needs public relations. Well, and again here, kind of leading back to the theme of the, you know, changing the narrative, um, the reach and depth and breadth, just like what we're trying to do with the PGA's message, needs to look like the face of America today. And so you need to reach all those different audiences uh, on those different mediums and uh, have the approach of reaching... um, the consumer and, you know, the readership or or however they're receiving or consuming this news, you know, regardless of the platform. Um, So I think that you have to be mindful, and I think that you have to lead with the story, right? And that's about the people. And then the organization or the company is the overlay to whatever um, comes of that. So I think that's where it's kind of in the changing pace of the industry as well. It's not just about, um, you know, if you can get a roundup, that's fantastic. Now, what kind of long are the days gone, I guess. Not necessarily completely gone, but, you know, we talked about New York Times before. We kind of turned the mics on, and you don't just get a feature or a spread anymore. It's more challenging. Right. You have to be mindful of um, this, the story, the approach, the people, the end result, the end audience. And then also I have to be mindful of being um, inclusive of my client. You know, that's who I am at the table for. So it's um, it's an interesting dynamic, I think.
1: And also, too, I think about our championships. We own and operate some major championships the Ryder Cup, the PGA Championship, the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, and the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. But as we take those major championships into communities across America, it's critically important for us to have an advanced team from a PR perspective in that community on the ground. So the KitchenAid Senior PGA Championship, which is going to be hosted in Rochester, New York in the spring. Dixon Schwabble is on the ground in advance for us building relationships in the community, telling that public relations story. Because the last thing we want to do as an organization is come into town, build the championship city, quote unquote, take the money and run. Like We want to leave a very meaningful, impactful, sustainable impact in that community with the help of Dixon and have that community want us to come back. And we are coming back. We have plans to come back. So the PR piece is is critical. It's a critical part of that fabric for the community relations, authentic community relations that are sustainable as we cycle through these cities. And we just we don't want to have a one and done roadshow.
0: Always comes back to relationships, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting how you know some many brands are actually insisting you know when they at the very beginning stages of a relationship with an agency it's in the RFP that you know the the agency the te- agency team working on their on that client's work has to reflect a diverse demographic mm-hmm. and that's coming from the brands now so i think that's a very important point too that as we see now often brands are taking many stands on societal issues they're getting a lot more firmer and more upfront, no, this is part of doing business with this brand. You have to reflect the consumer landscape as it is. It's diverse, it's you know transgender, it's LGBT, um, men, women, different
1: uh, nationalities. And so I think brands are dropping that a lot. Absolutely. Because if your agency partners don't reflect that composition, they will be less effective in advancing your work in that community or on that
0: initiative and i think um, we kicked off the conversation with you know the media landscape so i think you know there's the ba- basic question you know what is ethical journalism but I, has it will that ever really change i mean i know the way we the way it is delivered changes who is delivered by changes what does ethical journalism mean to you
2: authenticity integrity transparency um i don't think that that should ever change i think it's start starting to become distorted because of fake news or you know people having less um oh i guess how do i phrase it it's it's just more challenging to know you know what you're reading is this is it real is it true is it you know who is the source um but I don't think that the ethics of journalism or public relations, you know, they align and go hand in hand, and um, they shouldn't change. And I think that kind of goes back to our first, how we kind of kick this show off. And it's critical for publicists to be able to support journalists to help um, add that extra layer or, you know, kind of more safety numbers, if you will, and just substantiate, um, I'm coming at you with a credible source, you're going to produce a credible story.
1: It's such an interesting time and a bit of a conundrum because with Generation Z being such digital natives, they are almost all journalists in their own way or in their own minds because they have their mobile device in hand 24-7 and they are capturing and sharing things left and right. So how do you identify what's authentic, credible, maybe crafted or created or filtered, or altered, it's it's really difficult. So you need professionals mm-hmm. to be that watchdog, if that's the right mm-hmm. word for you, and again, do the vetting, and be ahead of it, and help you out. And going back to what you mentioned, Sandy, about, you know,
0: 20-somethings and younger, certainly we have all heard the the impact an influencer has on a younger person. and And that Influencers were very much the rage. Then there might have been a little bit of a bump um, because there was some discussions about transparency. where influencers revealing if they had been paid to promote a product? But what role do influencers play in PGA's brand strategy?
1: They're very important. I'll use the example of PGA Junior League Golf, which is our signature youth program under our foundation, PGA Reach. And we leverage ambassadors to ambassadors and influencers to really advance that, that strategy. So whether it's Michelle Wee or Ricky Fowler or other emerging stars from other sports that represent multicultural communities, LGBT community, individuals with disabilities, we are bringing those influencers and those ambassadors to bear on programs like PGA Junior League because they have voices and influences and reach in communities that we don't. So they are critical from an influence standpoint to help us bring more youth, more girls, more youth of color into programs like Junior League and ultimately into golf's pipeline. Whether you're playing, whether you're working in golf, golf business, golf media, we need to diversify who's coming in and have them all look more like America. And influencers influencers are critical to that. And Nadine,
0: I think we've seen influencers evolve a lot. Uh, there's also a discussion about maybe we don't need an, an influencer that has a million followers. Maybe a brand just needs sort of a core thousand who will mm-hmm. who they would consider sort of real key core type A uh, consumers of their brand is is. Are influencers, are you finding influencers are as important as they have been? Um, How have they evolved in your opinion?
2: Yeah, um, I definitely do. And I think it's interesting that you bring up the micro versus macro influencers. And we're working with all um, kind of both sides of the house. And really, it's that importance, um, you know, uh, in the word of mouth is huge. And that's the, it's the reason for it. So I think is, it's very important to identify the right individual um, who aligns with your brand, but you still give the flexibility and freedom to be themselves because that's why they have those followers. So to your point, again, if it's, you know, it's interesting to see if you have the hundreds of thousands of followers like the Kardashian style, but also if you have the, you know, thousand under um, it's obviously obviously going to be a little bit more targeted niche you're going to find that those followers are probably going to be uh, more so the consumer that you're looking for and targeting in that specific audience that you're looking to reach um, it's not just that it's you know an intimate uh, an intimate point but those people are really vested in that individual that they're following for a reason, right? They identify uh, with them, obviously, just the same interests and likes and style and um, whatever the product or service it is that they're representing. So I think it's interesting to see uh, what makes the most sense of, you know, whatever particular influencer, that micro or macro um, influencer that you that you end up uh, working with. I think the strategy is same behind both regardless of which, you know, whether you go large or small or however, um, however you scale it. And uh, what we found to be most successful is, again, it just, you know, as true as the most important part of public relations is the relations, it's the relationship. And establishing that relationship, I mean, they're people, you know, and they're not just representing um, kind of the, the company or the brand or the outlet or publication um, that's employing them. This is... They may be self employed but this is their true self this is their true brand, so it has to be on brand with who you know their true um their true self is I mean you can go and give collateral or um a product to somebody and say, "Hey, uh, I need you to wear it this way and style it with this, and you know be really selective, but your their followers clearly are gonna see through that hey that's that's not who he or she is or does um so it's important in the strategy to let them have the flexibility, which I think can be a little um Daunting maybe for some clients or some publicists, to, you know, you're kind of relinquishing their control or, oh, my gosh, what happens if they take this off brand? But it's a risk you're taking. But, again, if, I think if you start and establish the right rapport and relationship and identify um, that you're working with somebody that is really on brand and, you know, has the same followers that your brand does or at least the same representation, uh, that it should be a pretty safe relationship and, uh, and partnership. Let's wrap up
0: today's podcast on the subject of diversity and inclusion. Uh, Sandy, if you could maybe share with us where PGA is in terms of its journey towards diversity and inclusion.
1: Oh, and Thank you for asking, Bernadette. I really appreciate it. We really aspire to have a game and a workforce and a supply chain across the golf industry that mirrors America. And we're making some really meaningful strides. I've, I've really embraced and our team has embraced the idea of micro moments of inclusion. These micro moments of inclusion really add up over time and become meaningful. But we still have a long way to go. We are laser focused on building the youth pipeline through PGA Junior League. Again, bringing more youth, more girls, more youth of color into the sport of golf. Laser focused on diversifying the workforce. There's 2 million jobs in golf In America. It's an $84 billion a year industry. So creating those pathways and opening the portal for individuals from diverse backgrounds to have a career in the business of golf. You don't have to play the game. You don't have to know anything about the game. I came into it with no background and have had a beautiful career. And then also the supply chain, this $84 billion a year industry, how do we make sure that minority-owned, women-owned, LGBT-owned, disabled-owned, and veteran-owned businesses have an opportunity to be at the table and bid on procurement opportunities. That's going to really help create a vibrant game for decades and centuries to come, and that's what we want to do. We want to grow participation in the game and serve our 29,000 PGA members who work across America at, at golf facilities. So we're getting after it. It's a very awesome goal. Thank you.
0: Um, I would like to thank Diction Swabble's Nadine General and PGA Sandy Cross for joining us on the podcast today and for sharing their insight. Previous episodes of the podcast featuring Down on North America's Michael Newworth, AMB Group's Brett Jukes, Weight Watchers' Stacy Scher, Cision CEO Kevin Ackeroyd and many more are available online at earnedmediarising.com and also available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Hopefully you'll join us next time on the podcast for more insights from top-level communicators and marketers. Be sure to keep checking back at earnedmediarising.com. I'm Bernadette Casey, Executive Editor of PR Week, signing off.